Morning. <laughs> Hello, Shelby. Um, so, a little backstory. I got married right out of high school, pretty much. Um, and that marriage was just very toxic and unhealthy. Um, and at the end of it, my then husband ended up getting arrested for domestic violence. Um, and during the divorce process, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Um, and I think just the, the pain of grieving the life I thought I was going to have with this person mixed with the fear of a cancer diagnosis, um, I was willing to do pretty much anything to not feel the way I was feeling. And I was just distracting myself with meeting new friends and meeting new people and going to new places. Um, and at some point I thought I had found a loophole to the grieving process by doing drugs. Um, while I was feeling better and escaping the pain that I was going through, I ended up putting that pain on everyone who cared about me. Um, somewhere down the road, things had gotten very out of hand, and it really took the people that I loved uh, telling me that they had prepared, started to prepare their hearts for a phone call that I had either been killed or killed myself for me to realize that this lifestyle wasn't working for me anymore and that I didn't have the control I thought I had over the situation. Um, I ended up going to a rehab in Denver and pretty quickly after arriving there, I heard other people's stories and they all had a very similar story. They had all relapsed several times and had been to several different rehabs. And I realized that this was probably the first of many rehabs for me and that I really set myself up for a pretty painful and difficult future. Um, I ended up calling a friend the first night at the rehab who I knew was very spiritually knowledgeable and um, I asked her if she knew if a Christian who had given their life to Jesus and was saved decided to kill themselves if they would go to hell. Um, she said she didn't want me to care about the answer to that question. Um, she asked me what I wanted for my life and I said, I just wanted a life that didn't involve drugs. I wanted a good marriage with a good man and to one day be a good mom. But that didn't matter what I wanted because I wasn't going to be able to do that because everyone just kept telling me to take it a day at a time that even thinking about going through another day of this was just too much. She said that I was going to have all of that one day, that I was going to meet a good man get sober, be a good mom one day. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, kind of awesome. um, oh, okay. So she said that all of that was possible for me and that that would happen for me. 
She asked me if I had done drugs during our 10 minute phone call and I said no. And she asked me if I thought I could go another 10 minutes without doing drugs. And I said, probably, yeah. And she said, if taking it a day at a time, it's too overwhelming for you right now. Maybe you can just start by taking it 10 minutes at a time and then another 10 minutes. And before you know it, it'll be tomorrow and you'll have another day clean. Um, she said that with so much confidence, like she knew for a fact I was going to be successful and have the life that I wanted. Even though I didn't believe that for myself, she believed that for me. And so did a lot of other people in my life. And I just really wanted to prove them right. Um, and I've been sober for a little over three years now. Amen. 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 Right. So. Great job, Shelby. Thank you. You're not off the hook yet, though. You got to stay. <laughs> you got to stand up here with me for a second. Um, that was awesome. And we we talked about. I was going to just ask a couple follow-up questions. Um, so, Shelby, when you share your story, you know, you talk about real pain that you're going through, and I think we often miss that. And when it comes to addictions, we forget that people are dealing with real pain. That 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 most addictions aren't just random. Um, and so you are dealing with real pain, and I think people listening that are struggling with addictions are dealing with real pain, and they're going to their addiction to sort of, you know, be the solution to their pain. I'm just wondering, from your experience, what you'd want to say to people that are in that are in that spot right now. Um, <clears throat> I think I would just say to allow yourself to feel whatever you're trying to avoid um, or just like whatever you're whatever feeling you're trying to avoid with the addiction um, I'm so sorry <laughs> it's okay when when we were talking uh, earlier about your story you had talked about how for you this the addiction prolonged your pain can you talk about that a little bit yeah um, Right, that's what I was gonna say, sorry. You're fine, you're, you're doing great, you're doing um, great. Yeah, I would say to allow yourself to feel whatever you're avoiding and to surround yourself um, just with good people, safe people to walk with you and be there for you during that time because an addiction can make you feel better for a period of time, but in my experience, at the end of the day, it just prolonged what I was inevitably going to have to face. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Um, and I and would I be wrong in saying when the suicidal thoughts came in, uh, that's maybe another way of not having to deal with those things, right? Yes. It's almost like I can't deal with those things, so I'm going to go to the addiction. But eventually, that runs itself out. So then it's like the next option is suicide. But the real issue is still we never dealt with those things, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, one more question, and I'll get you off the hot seat here. Um, why do you think it's hard for people to reach out for help? I think it's pretty easy to convince ourselves we have control over a situation, even if we don't. Um, and you can try to deal with an addiction just, just by yourself, but when it's you versus your addiction, rather than you 
and your family and your friends and your community versus your addiction, the odds of you overcoming it become a lot better, I think. Amen. Can you guys give Shelby a hand? Thank you so much, Shelby. All right, again, if you'd like to share a testimony in a future week, um, you can let us know on your connection card, and uh, we would love to incorporate you uh, into, our, into our time. I'm going to talk a little bit about the series and, and sort of where we're going with it. Um, here's a, a quote to get you thinking. It says, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. F.M. Alexander, quote. And uh, there's, there's a lot of bad habits that are out there that, that are sin, like we would call them sin, right? But it's not that effective in a church setting if you come to church and let's say your particular habit is being addressed and you just hear messages like, your habit is a sin, stop it. Or it's a bad habit, you know, stop it. Once it's in habit form, it's really hard to stop. Whether it's a big sort of habit addiction like drugs or it's a smaller, maybe doesn't maybe it doesn't feel like it quite hits that, you know, that level. Um, but being told something is a sin or being told something is, is wrong or bad, it just often heaps shame on us. And what we really need is a path for how, a path for how to get out of a bad habit or how to get out of an addiction. And that's what we hope to do during this series is to provide some practical steps uh, for that. Uh, there's also a lot of good habits that are part of our obedience to what God wants for us. There's good habits that bring us into greater joy and greater peace and greater freedom, and we hope to cover uh, some of that ground in this series as well. So um, what we're going to find in this series is that not all habits are obvious. So we think drug addiction, alcohol addiction, these feel obvious to us. Um, did you know that the average iPhone operator touches their phone 2,617 times during one day? So, and, and that's from uh, iPhones, you know, can actually track that, and that's an average for an iPhone user. So I'm sure it'd be the same across all smartphones. But if you think about that for a second, if I were to have you pull out your, your smartphone and just start counting, one, two, three, four, five. Think of how long it would take you to get to 2,617. That's the average. That's the average. Um, these are, stats are hard to believe. Um, oh, and I, I wrote, that's, they're probably not, all those touches are probably not on the Bible app, is my thought. It's probably not all of them. Um, the average smartphone user the, uh, in America, so this is an American stat, spends five hours and 24 minutes a day on their mobile device. That's a lot of time during the day, considering you're sleeping for, you know, six to eight hours or whatever you're getting. And then Americans check their phone once every 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes is a phone check. So I, I share this, and we might come back to these stats throughout the series to say that not all habits are obvious, right? And if, if we're obvious, this is something all of us struggle with, and we're going to talk through some of the reasons behind that. So when we do our discussion time, which we're going to break into here in a moment again during this series, one, I want you to keep a broad definition 
of habits and addictions. Like the way we use our cell phones, that falls into it, right? A, a broad definition of habits and addictions. Uh, when we do our discussion time, we're not going to ask you life-penetrating questions about your habits and addictions. We're, I'm, I'm even encouraging you not to talk about your own your own habits during the discussion time. You're welcome to if you'd like to. We're just going to talk about habits and addictions in a general way, understanding that most of us fall into this camp right, in one way or another. Um, you do need to be gracious, so please be gracious when talking about this. Um, there's likely people in your group struggling with various levels of addiction, and as I just showed on the stat, you are too. Uh, and so let's just make sure that we're not casting any judgment as we do our conversations. Uh, and the goal of this series is to start getting to what's underneath the addiction, not what's on the surface, but what's driving it and what is underneath. So with that, we still have, I think, relatively lighthearted questions for us for our discussion. The first, we're going to do five minutes. So if you're new, welcome. Super glad you're here. This is just some questions to get your get the cogs of your brain uh, churning as we jump into scripture after this. So what's one thing or, or what's something you did in middle school because everybody else was doing it, okay? Um, and uh, this is kind of a combo question. Or what's something you got made fun of for in middle school because you didn't fit in? So everybody was doing this thing and you did it so you could fit in. Or Everyone was doing this thing, and you couldn't do it or didn't do it, so then you got made fun of. So that's a middle school question. Isn't middle school like the best two or three years of your life, right? The least awkward. My daughter just entered middle school, and I'm just like, oh, middle school. <laughs> oh, man. All right, number two. Why do people tend to do what others around them are doing? Yes, I'm just assuming that that's true, okay? Why do people in general tend to do what others around them are doing? All right, take five minutes. We're going to turn some music on, go back in the groups you are in, and then we'll bring you back and we'll jump into Scripture together. <laughs> 